I will share with you that uh, my favorite baseball player of all time is Hank Aaron. Not surprising that I grew up here in Atlanta. Um, and I started thinking about what was it about Hank that made him great in my eyes or makes him great in my eyes. I still think he is the um, home run leader. We can debate that if you want to. Uh, but he's undisputed for the most RBIs, 2,297 RBIs. Uh, if you're not a baseball fan, that means that there's runs batted in. Um, but there are so many things. I mean, he had great passion. He had great discipline. Uh, there was just so many things about Hank Aaron that, to me, makes him a, a great baseball player uh, and my favorite baseball player. But then I started thinking about what was it really that made him great. And I started thinking I'm going to change up in a totally different direction than what I had envisioned the sermon going, which was when I really started thinking about kind of what helped him be great, it was Jackie Robinson. We just saw a clip from Jackie Robinson that in April 15th, 1947, he was the first African-American to ever play, start a game in the major leagues. Hank Aaron could not have done what Hank Aaron did if Jackie Robinson had not done what Jackie Robinson did. I mean, what would it, think about the, the magnitude of that moment, what the trajectory would have been different if he had not had the courage to go, because I hope you realize that it was not an easy thing for him to go and play. So, what, what if he had not had the courage? What if he had, had, had taken the easy way out? How, how different Major League Baseball might be. How different Hank Aaron's life might have been. How different our nation might be if he had not been bold enough to step into what he was being asked to do. I say that to you as an illustration for us to stop and think about the church. And, and for today, let's just talk about Stockbridge United Methodist Church. I tell you that illustration because I believe that we are in a season that we have a, the potential for the trajectory of our church to be different. We have the potential for the trajectory of our community to be different. Will we live into it? Will we have the courage to do what God is asking us to do? Let me share a passage with you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 18. We're going to read a fairly lengthy section from verse 16 through 33. A story about Abraham. And Abraham in this story, let me just set this up. He has uh, encountered these three unusual men. And so we get this encounter that takes place between Abraham and these men. In Genesis 18 verses 16 through 33 we read this. The men got up from there and went over to look down on Sodom. 
Abraham was walking along with them to send them off when the Lord said, Will I keep from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will certainly become a great populous nation and all the earth's nations will be blessed because of him. I have formed a relationship with him so that he will instruct his children and his household after him. And they will keep to the Lord's path, being moral and just, so that the Lord can do for Abraham everything he said he would. Then the Lord said, The cries of injustice from Sodom and Gomorrah are countless. And their, sins are very ser- and their sin is very serious. I will go down now to examine the cries of injustice that have reached me. Have they really done all this? If not, I want to know. The men turned away and walked toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing in front of the Lord. Abraham approached and said, Will you really sweep away the innocent with the guilty? What if there are 50 innocent people in this city? Will you really sweep it away and not save the place for the sake of the 50 innocent people in it? It's not like you to do this, killing the innocent with the guilty, as if there were no difference. It's not like you. Will the judge of all the earth not act justly? The Lord said, if I find 50 innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will save it because of them. Abraham responded, since I've already decided to speak with my Lord, even though I'm just soil and ash, what if there are five fewer innocent people than 50? Will you destroy the whole city over just five? The Lord said, if I find 45 there, I won't destroy it. Once again, Abraham spoke, what if 40 are there? The Lord said, for the sake of 40, I will do nothing. He said, don't be angry with me, Lord, but let me speak. What if 30 are there? The Lord said, I won't do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, since I've already decided to speak with my Lord, what if 20 are there? The Lord said, I won't do it for the sake of 20. Abraham said, don't be angry with me, my Lord, but let me speak just once more. What if there are 10 And the Lord said, I will not destroy it because of those ten. When the Lord finished speaking with Abraham, he left, but Abraham stayed there in that place. So here's this story that we get. These three men come down to talk to Abraham, and they, they have two primary purposes. One is for them to announce that Sarah is going to be expecting Uh, The second is to destroy two very wicked cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. They were notorious, these two cities were, for their sin. However, we learned that in the New Testament, the sin was really more about their oppression of their community. was really about not reaching out and taking care of those in need. That was truly the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. But who are these men? One speaks in first person as God himself. Two other are assumed to be angels. And so God tells Abraham what he's going to do. And it tells us in verse 23 that Abraham approaches God. And the word approach, if you go look at the Hebrew, it's a technical word, meaning approaching the bench as a court in law. And so basically what we have is Abraham is about to go to court with God and he begins to have this discussion well what if there's 50 who are righteous what if there's 45 what if there's 40 what if there's 30 and God plays along and I have really as I read the story there's a couple of things that really just strike me that I think relates to us as a church one is why is Abraham even praying for this city Have you ever thought about that? I used to think it was always had to do with Lot. His nephew Lot is 
is, is in the city and so that he was worried about his nephew. But if that really was his concern, he would just make that his prayer, right? Okay, God, before you destroy the city, let me just get Lot out of there uh, and then everything will be fine. But that's not what he does. That would have been much easier. It would have made a whole lot more sense because Abraham had been treated very unkind by the people of Sodom. They had waged war against Abraham. They had kidnapped Lot. So that would have made much more sense. But instead of doing that, Abraham stands and asks God for mercy for these people who have been unkind to him. He puts himself at great risk in doing so. Did you hear that in the text? Okay, God, don't, don't get mad at me. Okay, God, I'm, I'm just going to speak one more time. Over and over again, you can see that he's at great risk. Why is Abraham doing this? Because Abraham understands that God has chosen him to be a channel of mercy and blessing to the nations. It tells us that. If you go back and look at like verse 18, 19, God tells Abraham what he's going to do so that Abraham will be there to, be a, to ask for the blessing rather than destruction. And Abraham lives into his destiny of what God desires for him to do. And so it just makes sense that Abraham is pleading for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. These people had been unkind to Abraham. But you see, Abraham realized that he had been unkind to God. And Abraham realized that because he had been unkind to God and God had still extended him grace and still had extended him mercy, that, that he should extend that to the people of Sodom and Gomorrah as well. See, that's how it works. If we realize, I mean, if you sit here today and realize that you are forgiven, if you realize that you have been extended grace, then we are challenged as people of God to live in a world where we extend grace. We extend mercy. We extend forgiveness. That's what makes sense. So one question is just why is he even praying for the city? The second is why does he stop at 10? Why? I mean, if you think about it, if you're kind of haggling with someone and you got them, they're giving in, right? I mean, God's okay, 50, I'll go to 45, I'll go to 30, I'll go to 20, I'll go to 10. I mean, why not keep going? I mean, why not? Okay, God, what about five? What about three? What about one? But you notice Abraham stops at 10. And I think that's because Abraham recognized that there was not anyone that was righteous enough to spare the city. And that that tension is only answered until you get to the New Testament. That tension exists until you get to the New Testament. And Jesus Christ, righteousness, is what spares the wicked people. See, we like to be Abraham in the story. We're Sodom. That's hard to stop and think about. But it is because of Jesus that we can ask for the forgiveness of our own sins.
It's because of Jesus' righteousness that we can ask for our own sins. And we can plead for him to extend mercy to the people around us. We live in just a very hard world, but it's our responsibility to plead to God for forgiveness and grace and mercy for all of those around us. You and I have been placed in a very similar situation to Abraham. It is my belief that we are here for a purpose. We're here as Stockbridge First United Methodist Church for a purpose. We're part of this community. We're part of of, of Henry County. We're, We're part of what God is doing here. That was his intention of bringing us together. The Apostle Paul writes this way in Acts 17. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands. I do not believe that I am simply here by accident. We are the church today. We are who God has brought together. Do you, do you think that way? When you come into this place and you walk out of this place, when you see your neighbors, do you realize that, you know what, God has brought you together in order for you to be able to possibly extend grace. Somebody comes into our church, I truly believe in the body of Christ. When somebody comes into our church, I always stop and think, what are they bringing? These young people who are going to be professing their faith, what is it that God is bringing them into our midst for? What gifts do they have? What can I learn from them? How can they extend mercy to me? And how can I extend mercy to them? Do you live that way when you go into the grocery stores, you go to the restaurants, when you run into someone at the convenience store? Do you stop and recognize this is your ability to be able to live into your destiny, to be able to extend grace and mercy to someone? It's what God is calling the church to do. Our placement here is proof that God wants to extend mercy to the people around us. We have a destiny to live into. And we owe them our labors and our sacrifice. It's not that they deserve it. We see that in the story of Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. It's not that they deserve it, but let's be honest, we didn't either, right? God didn't save you because you were something special. You were special to him, right? We owe it to Jesus. Paul calls himself in the book of Romans, Paul calls himself a debtor, a debtor to people he had never met. When you go look at the word, you can be a debtor a couple of different ways. One is I can, somebody can pay, loan me money and then I'm a, owe them something back. That's not what Paul's talking about. But someone is homeless or broken And somebody generously gives them something that is beyond what they can imagine. And then says, you know what I want you to do is to give it to somebody else. He's in debt to that person to extend graciousness and generosity to other people. Because of the sacrifice that was made on his benefactor. That's what Paul's talking about as he calls himself a debtor. Paul knew that for no reason at all God had extended him the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't because he was better than every other sinner. It wasn't that he deserved it. It was pure grace in Jesus. And that's true for us. 
Because what it meant is that he owed to the people the ability to sacrifice for them. All of us are placed in this community, and I mean this community here. All of us are placed in this church and in this community to sacrifice on behalf of those who are outside the community. I look and think about, we had this debate over what to do with the backdrop. We could take it down. In doing so, we would tear it up. But we could sacrifice in order to be able to treat some some fifth grade students to know that they are special and loved by God. We are called as a community of faith to sacrifice on behalf of those who aren't here. It's our destiny. It's who we're supposed to live into. Do you realize the potential that God has placed in our hands? When you come and you listen and you watch these kids that are going through the preschool and you watch the kids that are coming in through our children's program. You watch the young people who are coming in through our student ministry, through our recreation. God has given us great responsibility as a church. Will we live into it? See, I have great optimism for the church. And again, I'm talking about Stockbridge, United Methodist Church. I have great optimism for us. And some people can be discouraged. And you can take that on to the denomination. But folks, Jesus has a promise to fulfill in this community. Jesus has a promise to fulfill. He did not create this church for us to gather together and just love on each other. He did not create this church for a group of people to just sit around and let's play and pretend. He did not create this church so that we could just sit around and learn about God. He created this church so that we would boldly go out in the name of Jesus Christ and extend grace and and forgiveness and mercy to the community around us. And in doing so, we help people experience the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. Yesterday, I happened to go and, and Jessica had a, a group of people were at, the, at Clark Park and they were, she was just giving out uh, balloons. I'm excited about that. Uh, giving out balloons and inviting people to come to Vacation Bible School and get involved in the preschool. But it was just an air of excitement. It was just an air of excitement of going out into the community and just loving on the community. We're called as the people of God to do that. To be responsible for that. David Platt, who wrote the book Radical, many of you may have heard of it before, was quoted as saying this. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. Do we take that serious? Listen to me. Because we are responsible for the unreached, because we're responsible for those who live in our communities, who right now just do not care about Jesus Christ, our lives and our ministries and everything about this church should be different. And I don't mean different like let's do everything different. I just mean we, we should make that our focus because that's what God has created us for. Because unlike Abraham, we know there is one righteous. Unlike Abraham, we know that there is one righteous who can spare the city. And that should make a difference in our lives. And because Jesus died, we have the the right and the responsibility 
to boldly proclaim it and to believe that God will answer it. One of the things that we need to begin to do as a church is we need to pray expectantly. We need to pray big prayers. We need to pray bold prayers. I've shared with you a few weeks ago, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, he wrote other hymns. We don't often sing some of those hymns. But let me read to you one of the phrases that comes from a hymn called Come Thy Soul. We don't sing this in the church very often, but it says, Thou art coming to a king, so with thee large petitions bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. That's what we're called to be as a people of God, to bring large petitions to our king and to believe that God has the ability and the desire to answer them. As we pray on behalf of his people, we pray on behalf of the community of Stockbridge and Henry County. He invites us to haggle. He invites us to come and discuss and plead on behalf of his people. As I said, my sermon changed because I started to think about what difference it made in Hank Aaron's life that Jackie Robinson did what he did. And folks, the truth is, because Abraham followed God, we're here. But now, challenge yourself with this. Who is going to say that about you? Because you followed God. They're here. Because Abraham trusted God. I spend eternity in heaven. Who's going to say that about me and you? Because we trusted God that they're going to spend eternity in heaven. Because Abraham prioritized and, and, and uh, believed uh, that God was, was able to do what, what God said he was going to do, and Abraham pleaded and prayed for a community and a people, we're here. So challenge yourself. Who's going to say that about us? Because I believed and prioritized my life and believed that God would be able to do it. And I pleaded and prayed on behalf of the community around me that they came to know Christ and they came to spend eternity in heaven. Who's going to say that about me? Who's going to say that about you? That's what God is calling us to do. Folks, my prayer is that we will commit ourselves to multiplying God's kingdom. Not what we like. Not what we want. Not my kingdom. Not your kingdom. Not our desires. But that we're really, we're really willing to commit to multiplying the kingdom of God. And that's why I think that it can be a, it, it can be a moment that can change the trajectory of our church. If we as a group of people will follow Abraham's example, earnestly plead and pray and extend grace and mercy to the community around us. To believe in the one righteous one who can spare the city. But can leave this room today committed to going out those doors or those doors 
I can use any disclaimer we want to do so that we don't come an excuse for ourselves, go out any door that we've got. We go out into community with a commitment to multiply the kingdom of God. Amen? Let's pray. Most gracious God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be in this place. Lord, we're thankful for your church. We're thankful for every single person who you have brought into this place today. We're thankful for the people that we are able to minister to. Lord, we realize that there are people who are at home completely indifferent to you. We plead on their behalf to help us. Send your spirit to us. Guide us in our steps and our actions in order to to go and extend grace and mercy to them so that they can experience what we know to be true. A God of love. A God of grace. A God of forgiveness. It's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray for them. Pray for ourselves and ask for you to work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.